Hi guys, welcome back to Induction Noise. This is episode, what are we on now? Like 12? Like six. Six? Four? It's Actually, not five. Is it not? Are we not five? No, I believe we're on That's six. It. Is it? No, 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 no. We've recorded like way more episodes. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. ones that we've actually released, I think it's only like episode four or five now. Yes. Anyway, doesn't matter which episode it is. Welcome back to Induction Noise. This is, of course, the official Carbs and Coffee podcast. The one and only. Um, and today we are one short of our usual number due to unforeseen circumstances uh andre is not with us today um so welcome niku how's it how's it guys how are you guys hi neil how are you doing i'm doing well thank you fantastic how are yeah. you doing, i am i am mr q i am doing well uh i'm feeling very ill prepared today i don't know what the hell's going on with this it's, it's just a very wrist. lazy sunday plus plus we spent two and a half hours talking about everything we should have discussed in the studio yeah we 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 got together this morning for two and a half hours just talking crap and then we got <laughs> into the studio and suddenly no one has anything to say <laughs> and basically q also got roasted most of the time by his wife oh, we, should have, yeah, had this we should have had a brilliant. recording of her uh, this is, uh, telling this is, us how how you reversed into a BMW? You, I how, did no such thing. How that she BMW moved the rock. came out of nowhere, and you yeah. basically had a grill inside a inside a court in, inside your Cortina at Kilania. Well. We did we did do that. Yeah, um, it was a Granada, not a oh, Cortina. Granada. We, we, we were we're classier than that. Thank you. <laughs> you but anyway, you, wait for for Andre's sake. This is the only time I'm gonna come up for Andre in this episode. For Andre's sake. This guy, because I know Andre's going to listen to this, this guy added a sub in an S2000. He took a lightweight vehicle and decided, hmm, you know what would be fucking cool? Um, let me put a sub at the f- in the in the footwell of the vehicle and throw off the balance of this brilliantly lightweight S2000 completely and take it on track like yeah, that. Yeah, I feel quite victimized how they always go on about all the cars that I like and the weight of it and then you put a sub in the front of your S2000, which is never I, admitted until his wife yeah, casually I, threw it I into would the like discussion. To, I would like to point out at this stage that I did put the sub in the footwell of my S2000, but with very good reason. You see, the thing is, any guy who's ever driven a Subaru will tell you that there is such a thing as left-to-right weight distribution in a car. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah. And, yeah, and since I'm a fat bastard, <laughs> I have to put something on the left-hand side of the car to balance that out. So I had to put the sub there in order to make the car handle properly. I mean, it's, it's just logical. It's science. You can't argue with that. Good save, bro. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well I've been done. working on that for a week or so. <laughs> <laughs> you knew this was going to come up. So, anyway, uh, where were we? We're, oh, yeah, it's podcast. That, that's what we're doing. Today's discussion is going to be about the ones that got away. And we, I think as petrol heads, we all have that story of the one that we, we wanted to buy and we probably shouldn't have bought. And for whatever reason, we didn't. And it just got away from us. We we live with this deep sense of regret that we will carry with us to the grave unless we rectify that situation. And sometimes, uh, as is in my case, which we'll hear later, I can't rectify that situation because the car that got away from me um, is no longer a possibility for me. Uh, but we'll get to that. But before we go there, there's there's something that sort of ties into that, which... I think kind of also creates the ones that got away. And that's this, this thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's car kind of thing. (laughs) You know, 
I, I can think of a couple of examples of cars owned by either friends or family members that I absolutely lusted after. And I'm sure you guys have got yeah. stories mm. of those cars. So, uh, Neil, why don't you kick us off? What 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 is it that you wanted to steal from who? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was nothing really... Um, I think there's maybe like a whole whole range of different of different vehicles, and my uh, my grandfather uh, had he, he was an Alfisti, believe it or not. Uh-huh. Um, oh. And uh, I, ne- I never told you guys about it because all his was Alfa- that allowed in Caledon? Uh, he, well, <laughs> he was that was out in in uh, in, in Kimberley in Kimberley, and um, okay. he had a variety of different Alphas. And okay. um, representing the Alfisti here today, of course, is, is Nico. Yeah. But um, so I'm not going to act like I can remember any of the cars that he that he that he owned um but he he did have also after that have a variety of bmws and um if i'm allowed to segue into the car that i actually would have would have, would have liked to buy from 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 him um was a it's nothing too special um but a couple of years ago he let go i was looking for a daily driver at the time um and he had a pristine e90 320d um, nice. Auto auto sunroof that he wanted to sell. Um, I actually own two of those. Great cars. Yeah, they are. Um, and uh, you'll you'll probably know um, the punchline's coming. So wait for it. Um, <laughs> when he was looking to sell it, it had um, this was about five years ago. Um, he was going on a little bit uh, in, in in age, and he they decided to get something a little bit high off the ground. Um, the car had under ninety thousand k's on the clock. Wow. Uh, my grandfather never missed the missed the service. He washed the car himself, um, and he sold that car in the end for eighty thousand rand. Wow! And um, to this day, I really regret not not, buying not it. just buying it. Yeah. Um, as I so said, that was the one you coveted and the one that got away. It was. <laughs> I think it's because if you look at what these those cars are worth and what they typically go mm-hmm. for with those that sort of mileage, and you're not going to find a three twenty D with a sunroof in, with that sort of mi- mileage yeah. on it. Um, the older and not ones, one you, you struggle to find them now that have actually just been looked after. Exactly, yeah, yeah. and so. it was mainly because you know friends and family is typically the ones, and he was the one that really took 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 care of anything. So I could have mm. probably chosen any any of the previous BMWs um, th- that he had. He had an old 520 uh, BM as well, and uh, which I remember growing up in, and that car had a specific smell in it. So it would have purely been for for nostalgia for for nostalgia reasons. I would have liked to to, to buy it, but that's unfortunately long before I even had a driver's license. The the one thing always about someone that had someone with alphas in the family or someone that used to own an alpha that, that wasn't maybe, um, didn't maybe know the models back then or so, it's always fascinating to me because for some reason it's always the people next to the side of the road they'll see the they'll see the alpha or like some old fart walking into into a room that think they know something now and they're like, I used to have an Alpha, and they weren't go like Neil, like I didn't know the models or whatever. They, they was like, I used to own an Alpha. What, what Alpha was it again? Oh, it was an Alpha Romeo. Like, I'm like, uh, all right, dude, that's a brand. Yeah, uh, need so, a bit more detail than that. Yeah, that annoys the hell out of me. <laughs> that annoys the <laughs> hell of me. Like, oh, I had an Alpha Romeo. Okay, cool story, bro. But which which one did you have? Um, but yeah, that that E90. My dad, my my dad used to have. I think he had two, two of them as well. It was awesome cause. It was an offing. Oh wow! I, I tell a lie. I had three of them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I I got my my dark blue one. Um, I I got brand new, 
when they basically just came out. And the only reason I got rid of that one was because at some stage or another, um, a petrol station that will remain nameless was in the process of cleaning their tanks and moving stuff from auxiliary tanks into their main tanks. Somehow something got mixed up and they filled that car with a mixture of diesel and petrol. Oh, yeah. And then the entire fuel system got replaced under BMW's motor plan, which I was eternally grateful for. Um, and eventually I got the car back, but it, I genuinely can't put my finger on it, but it was never the same again. You know, every once in a while, you'd be driving along and it'll be great, and then you just get this little cough or a hiccup. Uh, or just uh, never been the same. It, it was just never the same after that. Yeah. And then um, I actually got a little bit lucky because my mom had a 320 diesel at the time, which was virtually identical to mine, but it was gray. And my dad wanted to trade that in on something. I can't remember what it was. So I said, well, if you're going to be trading in a three, E90 320 diesel, trade mine in and I'll take hers. Uh, that way I get a car with slightly less mileage on it that runs properly and is not broken. Um, and we get rid of the one that just isn't how it should be. Um, so we did that. And I that's how I got my second 320 diesel. <laughs> And then after I sold that, I didn't have a 320 diesel for quite a few years. And then eventually my brother wanted to trade in his E90 320 diesel, but his was a, a manual with the M Sport pack on it. Um, and he wanted to trade that in on a Ford Ranger, I think it was. And I basically said, well, whatever they offer you for the car, I'll buy it. Um... And so I did. And that was the third one that I had. And I didn't have that car very long, um, but it was brilliant. I mean, all three of them, they, they genuinely are just brilliant cars, those. <laughs> that, that's, you know what I've realized now? For, for people that bash on the new BMWs quite a lot, we've actually had a lot of BMW experiences, and we've BM lusted after BMWs BMWs a lot. used to be brilliant cars. They I, don't, used to be I just don't know why they went wrong because uh, well we do have a, i mean uh, i don't know we don't talk about it but we do have a at home my wife drives a bmw the, so the x1 yeah the x1 yeah. so and i mean I, I really think it's every time i drive it it's it's a, it's a really well-made car i'm, I'm it now that it's out of motor plan let's see what yeah. happens i'm a little bit skeptical about it but is it a um, diesel no mm. Because their, their diesels are actually bulletproof. Those things mm. will keep going forever and ever the, and ever. The, the X5 M50D, and that's actually a car that I lost after. I lost after quite a lot of cars that my dad had. I, I have mm. to say, <laughs> I, I I love his vehicles. His, his new Raptor, I had, a, I had the weekend playing with that, well, driving it around, etc. And, oh, my God. It just, like we said before I drove it, it just doesn't make sense of a bucky for a bucky to do that a full tank gets you around 400 kilometers but is it so much damn fun for a modern vehicle for a modern bucky to be that that fun but anyways here's x5 m50d it's one of the best motors out there for me because it's it's such an awesome awesome vehicle like it's got the torque it's got the top end and it's such a smooth motor mm. You, it, it, for a diesel to be that quick in such a big body and still get good mileage out of it yeah. it's it's 
It's such a good motor. It's it's one of the yeah. best motors out there for me. If you're looking at more dailyable motors that's in vehicles, it's yeah. it's such a good motor. And then going back, he always had BMWs uh, from when I was little. I believe he said he tried a Merc once, and he hated it. Um, went back to BMWs and estates. Had a lot of BMW estates, five series, three series, and then his E90. Um, I remember coming back from tennis, at a tennis tournament, it started raining and traffic was insane in Joburg and I just remember, I think traction was on, it wasn't like anything like trying to be a yobbo or so, but I just remember him pulling out of the tennis courts, taking a bit of a gap, chucking it side and I thought, damn, my dad's cool and this car's so cool. You know, <laughs> it's crazy how many memories there, are like there. Like, it's with, crazy with it's, and, yeah. and another car I lost, lost after is, is my uncle, he used to have awesome cars. You lust after your uncle. His vehicles. <laughs> his oh, vehicles. Right. Okay. His vehicles that makes mate. more sense. We're not that kind of podcast. Here. <laughs> yeah. Um, the most uncomfortable uh, semi nuke ever nursed apart from watching Brokeback Mountain, basically. So I don't, I, I don't remember this that vividly, but I vividly remember a, a, a gold or yellow M3 in our garage. And... I think recently I still asked my dad about it, and I was like, "Whose car was that?" Who? And I remember he said my my uncle used to have like crazy cars. He had a Targa, um, which I also have like a, a imagination in my figment of my brain of remembering a Targa. Um, but I vividly remember a, a gold or yellow E thirty six M three. I said that car yellow then most likely. That's, yeah. yeah. So so I used to think it was the E46, but then I spoke to my dad and he, he said it was, he had like three E36 M3s, my uncle. And I remember, cool. mm. I remember that car so well in my mind and I can't tell you why because I promise you I've probably never been in it. And oh, it's and a car, car yellow that M3? I really love. Yeah. Uh, uh, that car yellow M3. Right. There was actually one. There was actually one parked outside my office, uh, not yesterday, the day before yesterday, and I just thought to myself, you know, this this is actually in really good condition. It was the four door. Yeah. And I thought to myself, you know, one of these things today is probably worth a good chunk of change because finding a good one of these is becoming it's very hard. very difficult. It's becoming very hard, and I mean, it's it's because they all went through that stage of cars being cheap as well, even the M3s, yeah. and, and one of the cars that got away, and look, I didn't really have the money for it at that stage or so, it was, I was probably like 19 or 20 or something, and there was a guy selling a E36 M3 white two-door for under 40 grand, and I thought, what colossal f up must this car be? And I thought, let me just go look, cause it was it was Bloemfontein, Bloemfontein small. It was around the corner of me, and I went there, and the interior was taken apart. You know, you could see the guy either tried to start working on it or he used it for something, and then stopped. Just didn't have interest anymore. Um, and I went and I drove the car, and the motor was sweet. The motor was sweet. Gearbox was sweet. But it would have needed a clutch and then the interior put back together. But I mean, that, that's for less not than that, 40 grand. For less than 40 no. grand for M3. And also, yeah, the, you wouldn't, the you oak wouldn't, literally you wouldn't told want to buy me, a 40 grand M3 today. No, no. And the, but no. the oak literally told me they did spin in the car. They went to Cape to, to Kimberley, drove through to Kim, Kimberley, spanned the living 
jumped out of the car. And span? You mean spun? Spun, span. I <laughs> span it across this gap here. <laughs> and, and then brought it back. But even with that, right, the, the, the mechanical side of the car felt quite decent except for the clutch. But you know, those, those old BMWs were built like brick they take houses. They could take it um, to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's limits to everything. But they were they were pretty bulletproof because they were just built like tanks yeah uh the new ones i fear are a lot more fragile when it comes to that kind of treatment but also because they're being stretched so much further to get so much more performance out of them yeah um because a modern m3 has genuinely got supercar performance yeah it's not super saloon anymore that is (laughs) proper supercar performance um, what yeah. is interesting is I've got a mate in Bloom that has a E92 M3 and his wife drives a M235i. And funny enough, over the past year, he told me that M235 is more expensive to maintain than his E92 M3. Oh, wow. Wouldn't surprise me. Which is, I was shocked. I was shocked. I was honestly, because everyone always says, oh, the E92 with the rod bearings and whatever. Now he yeah, did you that. You do the prevent- rod bearings once. Yeah, he did you that preventive do it every year. from there. It's fine. The M3 oh. has been cheaper than an M235, which I thought mm. would be a cheap-ish mm. uh, sports car to maintain, mm. but it's apparently not. Apparently it likes blowing head gaskets more than Subaru. Well, So the, the car that I've got as the one that I coveted the one that I really wanted. It's more like a... It's based on a specific car, but it's kind of like a genre of car as well. And it comes from the fact that I've always had this thing about having the best example of whatever I've got. So whenever I bought a car, I looked around, I shopped around, I I always wanted to have the best example of whatever it is that I can find. So... Uh, when I bought my Beamers, they were always the cleanest, lowest mileage one I could find. My XJR, I literally bought because I'd never seen one that clean before. Um, S2000s, same story. I looked for ages before I bought one, and the ones that I bought were always the best, cleanest ones that I could find. But with that comes this, this nagging responsibility in the back of your head to take care of this thing. And you end up not doing certain things because you don't want to mess up the car. In fact, I sold my my Birkin, my Lotus, uh, my Lotus Seven replica, because I was starting to do track days with it, and I didn't want to mess it up on the track. So I sold it so that I could build something that was a bit more track focused than the Lotus was. And that is still being built. We don't talk about that. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> So (laughs) the the car that I'm talking about that that I lusted after is it's the most stupid thing that you can imagine. And it's not something that anyone with half a brain would probably lust after. But I genuinely thought this was like the coolest thing ever. Um, And it's uh, a family friend of ours, a guy called Vian, young guy. um, But he's very into cars he's very mechanical he he likes to work on his own cars him and his dad have always worked on cars when he was a kid as well um and they've built loads of cars uh together and the one that i specifically kind of half fell in love with is this orange 
like Gunston Orange 19 foot sack Datsun 120Y. <laughs> okay. Ra- road car, like just road stock car. road car? Stock, oh. ro- well, stock ish. Mm-hmm. Because it started life as a stock road car. It was then involved in an accident and Vian fixed it. Um, he painted it the orange color, made it look like it's supposed to, which is, you know, as good as a Datsun can look. But then my Lotus at one stage, just after I bought it, um, it the engine was badly modified, blah 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 ended up running bearings on it, so it needed to be rebuilt. At that stage, it was cheaper for me to just buy a new rebuilt, uh, a new import motor than to rebuild the old one. So I replaced the engine, Vian helped me do it, and as a reward for helping me put in the new engine, I gave him the old one. And was it a Kent motor? No, it was a, a 4AGE 20-valve Toyota motor. Ooh. Oh, okay. So he then went and rebuilt that motor, had the crank cut, had the heads done, had everything done that needed to be done on that motor, and then he installed it in that Datsun 120Y. So it was a surprisingly quick little thing. <laughs> it's, it it's made basically a, a tin box, completely so. ridiculous amount of noise. Um, in order to fit it in there, he had to cut some of the firewall, and you know there was no sound deadening left in it. And and those who 20, need safety, right? Those twenty valve motors with the ITBs on them scream like anything when you've got the 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 induction noise coming off that thing. So it was a noisy, nasty little thing that you could throw around, and you don't have to care about it. You can take it on a dirt road and drift the hell out of it. You can thrash it around, do whatever the hell you want with it, because if you're praying it, I mean, what's what's it worth? Like, no. so It's worth the motors. I don't think it's yeah, it's worth it. Exactly, and that even you if you do out. prang it, hmm. mechanically it's so simple, it's going to cost you 50 bucks to fix it, as long as you can do it yourself in your garage. So that was something that I I really wanted, because I liked the idea of being able to thrash a car and just have fun with it where it doesn't, feel like it's costing you anything to do it hmm. and i've i've never really had that um because like i said i've always had the nicest example of whatever i wanted and and that car that sort of genre of a cheap but cheerful playful thing that you could just mess around with it, it really appealed to me and i i yeah I, I, I was kind of envious of that car. Those little dads, and still to this day, I find myself sometimes like trolling through Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, there's something cool about them. Cars. There's something about them. My, my, my uncle had one um, that he drove around in Claymont, and, and he had know, to use like. Crucially, they're not yeah. as heavy as new Nissans, you know? The... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> and you can put a rotary in them and completely mess up the JDM yeah. alignment, you know? Because <laughs> I've seen a lot of them with rotaries. I mean, this was, a, this was a Datsun with a Toyota engine in it, so it was also, you know, kind of two, two opposing forces working together. Rear-wheel drive, not four-wheel drive, yeah. you know, none of that nonsense. <laughs> but anyway, so, since, since we've now been but, talking nonsense... But just, just to get on that point of buying a cheap car and actually enjoying it, I've... And, this is this is kind of a shellfish thing on my side, I think. But I've I've recently also thought about like I would love something that's a bit cheap, a bit a bit banged up or so, that 
is a bit higher off the ground as well. Basically, I want a cheap off-road thing, and and it's also kind of a car that my dad. I wouldn't. Used I wouldn't recommend the Rav though. I no, really I would not recommend yeah, the, the Rav. is a pile of crap. You, yeah, you don't no, want to no, go there, especially like the especially like the the Didn't we know someone who's got a Rav? Yeah, yeah. Used to be on the podcast. I mean, yeah, he used to be there, but but. What's his name he, again? He we wouldn't was, was, allow someone who drives a RAV on the show. He sat on a donut, I remember, but then he said it was a cone. But, but anyways, uh, let's not, let's we're not. We're regressing. Let's, we, let's we digress. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was my dad used to have a Grand Cherokee, um, but with the 5.7 Hemi. And I would, I've got this urge inside of me that I want a vehicle that I can go, go play uh, on Atlantis with. I want to go to Atlantis and play around in the sand, whatever. You know, it's going to cost you like 20 grand in petrol to get a 5.7 Hemi from here to Atlantis, right? I mean, some some guys is drinking out 20 grand tonight watching the Springboks against France and, you know, but anyways, we're digressing again. <laughs> well, <we're>... <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? So, and, and with... Some of Leonay's friends, etc., that's not always core people. You know, you, you drive people around because you're the only one that doesn't drink or you prefer driving because you get shit scared of someone else's, someone driving, else's yeah. driving, you know. So I prefer driving. I prefer driving my own vehicles. But then sometimes when they get in, like, let's say the Volvo, I'm thinking, like, don't put your legs up against the seat that, or don't don't kick the door while you're getting in. So I was... You know, so I was especially when you're driving drunk people. I hate driving drunk people in my car. Yes, like I I arranged my mate's bachelor's party at a nightclub in Somerset West um, a couple of years ago. Well, his first his first wife. (laughs) He's on three. I don't know how many wives he's been through, but anyway. Did you drive hmm, them every time? I, I yeah. drove him back from his bachelor's party because he never actually. I, I arranged this really cool party with like the VIP lounge was booked out for us. We had a full casino set up in there. We had our own waiters and waitresses serving drinks in there, our own little private bar. It was going to be like this cool, you know, boys' vibe in the VIP. Kings for the <laughs> kings for the night, you know. But instead, he got there, got absolutely hammered within the first ten fifteen minutes, started throwing up, and we had to take him home. And I had then I then had to put him in my E ninety three twenty diesel, um, and and bring him home. And yeah, he was hanging out the window. So we got back here quite late at night, and I ended up having to hose down the side of my E ninety because I was like that. Like you've got, probably got leather seats, so you can just rub that off. No, right, yeah, just... I told him you you do not put your head inside that window. You hang out like a dog. <laughs> yeah, I had a mate as well where we were driving the Alpha and we were on night out, and then at a point this became like a ritual. So after a night out, we went to Mackey You know, it was twenty four hours. Got it. Got a McDonald's and uh, then drove. We had this this road called Lichis, which was basically like imagine going up Eau Rouge but in Bloemfontein. <laughs> wow, that, that is something. Let, me just, let us just envision that for a moment. Eau Rouge, Eau Rouge but in Bloemfontein. What that re- that would be like Oroyes. Oroyes, yeah. Oroyes. But anyway, isn't that that's best corner in Bloemfontein? It's uh, the only it's, corner in Bloemfontein. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's quite a quite a hill, and it literally went like. Rouge, and at the top you also couldn't see what was coming so and your car got light there so always when we got at the top of a rouge 
you would have had one cheeseburger in, which you ate in my car. <clears throat> and uh, at the top of Eau Rouge in Bloemfontein, Eau Rouge, um, this is the Bloemfontein in Mexico, right? Yes, 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 of oh, course. Okay. He would always tell me, I would know to stop. There was a little little street that turned off to the left and I would know I need to stop there because he is going to vomit. But then the one day... This one topic of, is... This, this like podcast has gone <laughs> way off on a tangent that I'm not really enjoying. <laughs> Listen, yeah, at least we're speaking about our Rouge, Alphas, and not Camrys. We must we must actually be like... The, now, now the anorak in me is coming out, so sorry that I'm interrupting you, Nico, because, you know, the if, if we now really have... We're going to have some diehard Formula 1 fans listening to this, and they're going to point out that... A rouge is actually not what we, of course, I call it a rouge as well, but that's a radilon. It's the top of the hill, and a rouge is the river flowing underneath at the bottom yeah. of it. So that's uh, just so, so, so in case no one else is like banging so, they, 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 they We wouldn't want the windshield. internet to be fact checking us. <laughs> yeah, <on> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so basically, then Bloemfontein is the Brannewijn Vallei, is where Ru starts, and yeah. then Die Kirkbropdop is, is then the top corner where we stop. Yeah. Let's, let's call <laughs> yeah, it yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Saved uh, it. <laughs> but, but then the one, the one mate of mine, basically didn't even make it to a rouge he just decided in the drive-through of mackie d as well it's my time now and this is where convertibles become the best vehicle ever as well because as long as you have one button as long yeah, as you're exactly. willing to push that one button Absolutely. it's a hot bloemfontein day you know you look so cool in your convertible after a night out whatever you just tell your mate listen here dude jump jump out the top jump out the top don't, don't, if you vomit in my car, I will literally kill you at the top of, uh, what did I call it now? The Kirkprop top or dop or whatever. Now, I will literally kill you there. So, I, I must admit, I am, I'm very, very glad that I, I have outlived that phase of my life where I have friends who get that alarmingly drunk on a regular basis. Um, and we are now older and more mature. And we don't do that sort of thing anymore. Anyone else for a drink? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, uh, but uh, guys, we're 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 sort of running uh, running our mouths here um, on on what was supposed to be a quick whip around the room. <laughs> our actual topic for discussion today is the cars that got away. Right, guys, we get to that part of the show where I uh, thank our amazing sponsors, Master Panel Beaters, for making all of this possible. Uh, Master Panel Beaters, as I'm sure you know by now, is a major structural repair center in Montague Gardens, uh, just outside Cape Town. They do incredible work. Um, they are approved by some really big major manufacturers. They get audited by these guys once every six months. Um, these uh, manufacturers will send inspectors out and check on uh, Master Panel Beaters' premises. They will check on their facilities, the, the equipment they use, the processes, um, and, and the actual workmanship. And, and based on that, they then give them their certification. Uh, these guys have incredibly high standards, so the fact that they have these approvals and so many approvals says a lot about the kind of work that they do. If you have any kind of work that needs doing to your car, Master Panel Beaters should be your first port of call. Now let's get on with the show. Um, so if it's okay with you guys, I'd like to kick us off there because yeah. this is this is a love story, really. Um, 
I feel like I should have like piano and violin <laughs> music going in the background here, but um, Titanic scene in the background. Yeah, many many years ago, um, I completely fell in love with a particular brand, and just continue, dude. I'm just making some. Dude, I do not have. Auto pitch correct <laughs> for, for what you're doing. Plus, right he's there. not going to be able to edit it out anyway. <laughs> anyway like. So, yeah, I mean, I've I've always been a huge fan of car makers that have this single-minded philosophy, and they know exactly who they are. They know exactly what it is that they build. Um, and Jaguar have always done that. BMW until recently used to do that you know the ultimate driving machine jaguar was always about grace pace and space and tvr was always about the loudest most obnoxious way to kill yourself quickly <laughs> while smelling like glue whilst smelling like glue and i i just genuinely loved that about them um until i drove one because once you meet your hero and you drive one your opinion changes and at that point i stopped loving them and I started lusting after one. It is genuinely one of the best driving experiences I've ever had was driving a TVR Chimera 500. I absolutely loved that car. So that's why your wrist is sore. You were thinking about the story last night. Yes. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> the, the Chimera is a car that is quite rare in South Africa. TVRs in general are quite rare in South Africa, but one came up for sale um, through Bloomsbury when they were still sort of at the bottom of what is now Helen Sussman Drive. And I drove through to Cape Town to have a look at this car and I test drove it and I just, I was blown away. I mean, I knew it was gonna be a fun thing but it is just so ridiculous. It is the most moronic and idiotic car ever. It's one of those cars that becomes a talking point just by getting into it because you have to explain to other people <laughs> what it is and what it does and why it does things a certain way because it's just, none of it makes any sense to any normal person. It's just the most idiotic thing you can possibly put on four wheels. It's like a mid-2000s mid one. Yeah, it would have been it would have been a late '90s car. Okay, so was that then Rover V8? Yes, it was Rover oh. V8, Ooh. but the the 500 was special because 500s uh, were bored out to five liters by TVR, and then TVR replaced the normal Rover cylinder heads on it and put their own cylinder heads on it, and it made stupid amounts of power. It was horrendously unreliable. I wanted to say it took it from unreliable to stupidly unreliable. Yeah, but I mean, mm. that's just part of its charm. Um, and yeah, I, I absolutely loved that car. But I test drove it. And at that stage, I wasn't as confident in my driving as I am now. And I also wasn't as confident in my mechanical abilities as I am now. And a TVR is a car that you have to be willing to work on yourself because you're going to constantly be working on it, quite frankly, which makes it both the best and worst car I've ever driven. I've always said that the TVRs are the best and worst cars ever. Anyways, I, I then sort of had to think about it and I thought to myself, you know, if I had two other cars in the garage, at least, and I had the mechanical knowledge 
of how to keep this thing going. And I had the driving skill required to make sure that I'm not going to turn myself into a greasy spot on a road somewhere with this thing. <laughs> yes, this car would make sense. But unfortunately, it is just that little bit too way out there for me. And I really shouldn't buy this thing because I'm going to end up either injuring myself or bankrupting myself. No in so, between. <laughs> so I passed on it. And then I regretted it instantly. Once I decided I'm not buying this car, funnily enough, it sold within a week. And I regretted it. I, I kept looking for it. I kept trying to find out where that car went. And I, I just never saw it again. Until... About 18 months later, when after Bloomsbury had moved from where they were to Pardon Island, um, and I saw it advertised again through them. But it was now wrapped in matte black, which I didn't like. Mm -hmm. But it was the same car. Um, it was undoubtedly the same car. So I phoned the salesman. I said, listen, is this the same car that you guys had a year and a half ago? Blah, 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 blah. He says, yeah, it's the same car. The guy just wrapped it. He wants to sell it because he never drives the car. His wife is terrified of it. <clears throat> and therefore, he, he just doesn't want to drive it anymore. So I said, okay, well, I'm a little bit stuck this week and over the weekend. But I want to come in on Monday and have a look at it. And I thought to myself, if it's still there on Monday, I am buying that car. If it still runs and drives as well as it did the last time I drove it, it's mine. I'm not letting this one get away from me again. So I told the guy, I think it was, that was back in the days when Alan Friend still worked for Bloomsbury. I phoned Alan and I said to him, listen, I'm coming on Monday. I'm coming to look at that car. So he said, cool, it's not a problem. So Monday morning, I don't even phone him to confirm or anything. I jump in the car. I drove through to Bloomsbury. I get there. I walk into the showroom. Alan's not there. I'm looking around. I can't see the TVR anywhere. And I walked up to the first salesman I could see, and I said, listen, I'm, I'm here to look at the TVR. Is it, is it still here? Is it for sale? He says, well, you know, unfortunately, the owner of the car, the car was on consignment with us. The owner of the car came to fetch it on Friday. He said he just wants to use it for the weekend. He was on his way back to us this morning and he sort of thought to himself, you know, I've never poked this car with a stick to see what it would do. Oh. And on Marine Drive, going towards Bloomsbury, literally like a couple of hundred meters from the dealership, he put his foot down, lost the back end, smashed it into a pavement and completely destroyed the front suspension, front bumper, oh, wow. front fender of that car. And they were like, I'm, I'm sure the car's going to be written off if you want to like buy the wreckage and then fix it and whatever. And I was just like, no, no I, I can't not... do that. Yeah. I, I can't do that. And whatever happened to that car, I don't know, because I've never seen another 500, a Chimera 500 in this country, ever. I've never seen another one. I wonder what mm. they would do with it, because that, isn't that car basically also a canoe? They will yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's they, a... They won't buy crash it for metal. Buy the molds, basically. <laughs> yeah, just buy the one. Mold. But I mean, but, that, yeah, that I mean, could, yeah, that's that how many could TVRs be a cool are there? YouTube re rebuild. There's, uh, there's not many of them in South Africa. There's literally there's a handful of them. I've I've always lusted after the the Sagaris. Yeah, Sagaris. Sagaris. Sorry, oh, sorry, mm. uh, Sagaris. That's now the only reason like my... the only reason I wouldn't go that way is because that has TVR's own engine in it. Okay. It has a the speed six, speed six, straight six straight motor. Six in it. Okay, it's a four liter straight six motor. It makes about four hundred horsepower. It's a beast of an engine 
But if you were in the UK, go for it. Here, you'll never find parts for it. Mm. And there's a guy in the shed in the UK that can fix it for yeah. you. Yeah, there's, there's a guy in the shed in the w- UK. Which so. TV are at the door handle under the, the mirrors? I think uh, it was the Chimera. Was the, Chimera? the Chimera. The Chimera had that. The Cerbera had that. But only later Chimeras had that. Early Chimeras had like a big silver button behind the door that you push to open it from the like outside. And then on the inside, there's no door handle on the inside to open the door. Instead, you've got your gear lever and then your handbrake. And behind that is like this beautiful machined aluminium knob. But it's like the size of an apple. It's like this big <laughs> aluminium knob. If you want to open the left-hand door, you twist it to the left, and the left door pops, pops open. You twist it to the right, and the right-hand door pops open. Oh, wow. W- wasn't there a few videos made of, of people trying to start TVRs? Yeah. They, so they're, they're yeah. so complex. Top, like Top Gear no, actually did, did that. Like they, that. They, they said, here's the TVR, here's the key, get in, start it, and then get out. Yeah, and it was like something like, they, if they, you can do it, you can get the car. They, they had three guys who, who tried it, and they were in there for like 15, 20 minutes, and they, they couldn't, couldn't start it. They couldn't do it. <laughs> Um, and I think that was the TVR Tuscan. Um, mm. But, you know, that's that's just... It's some that's of the cool of things about TVRs that I love. It's like you get into a TVR, you turn the lights on, and it looks like the rev counter lights up and all the other dials don't because the rev counter actually is lit more brightly than the other dials because they just said that's the only one you really need to see. So, so that's what TVR told you. Meanwhile... They ran out of money and put an LED on the one side and a normal UE on uh, the other side. It's entirely possible. There's, there's also you know, all kinds of quirks. Like if you drive a Chimera until the engine's hot and you turn it off, you'll struggle to start it again because the starter wire runs so close to the engine that the wire itself, the cable to the starter motor, gets so hot that the resistance increases. <laughs> And then it's not the battery doesn't have enough power to crank the engine, so you have to wait for the cable to cool down before you can start the engine again. <laughs> and, and isn't TVR also the, the car that say if you if you pull back some of the some of the trimmings in yes. the car, then there's like swear words yes. at the mechanics so and the cars build it right this, on it and stuff like that. This uh, particular Chimera that I went to look at, I do this whenever I see a TVR. You pull back the carpet specifically in the boot. Yeah, because that's yes. where the, the technicians tended to have their fun. If you pull back the carpet in the boot, you will almost always find some manner of graffiti that he's left on there for the next guy on the production line. So in, in this particular Camara 500, you peeled it back and it said, Billy is a knob. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are out there and you wrote Billy is a knob, please contact us at... <laughs> yeah. did, yeah. you, did you ever follow up what happened to that car? Like, was, was it written off? Or, because, far, I mean, surely it must have gone... It, should, it would not have... Because of the, you know, the rarity of it in South Africa, some maybe someone that's willing to sell TV or parts or whatever I, must have bought it. I right? have absolutely no idea what happened to that car. Oh. I, well, I, there's so few of them. I did at one stage try to find out, and they did say that the wreckage was available for sale from the insurance company because it was written off essentially. Um, that's a bit of a lost cause then. But what happened to it after that, I don't know. The probability of it going overseas again is is I guess the highest because no, I, I reckon that car would have been stripped for parts. Yeah, mm-hmm. stripped no, for parts. no, no one would have bothered to to export that because the chassis was damaged, and it would have been it would have been too difficult to find all the spares required to fix that car in South Africa. 
and it wasn't worth enough money to actually ship it elsewhere to get it fixed. So I reckon it was just stripped for parts mm. and salvaged out. Well, the sorry, Neil. Um, the car that got away for me, and it's kind of a double whammy because I owned it for a few months, was my first car, my dream car, the car I lusted after. It's my GT Junior or GTV, not the Junior because it was 1750. So it was a 1972 GTV. And Is that the one with the four lights? The four yeah. lights in front? Four lights in That's front. That's the only way I can now, like, <laughs> I can remember. I know yeah, the difference so it between has them. A two outer lights and then two mm -hmm. the, the smaller ones on the inside. So, so that was for me a poster car. It was, and the funny part is from when I was born to when I could drive, my dad never owned an Alpha. He, he never owned an Alpha that I knew of. But before I was born, he owned Alphas. He owned multiple Alphas. Everyone in my family owned Alphas. So it's almost like it literally stays in you. So I lusted after this junior. And uh, one of my mates, Nicholas, told me he has a family member or whatever. He has a junior that's been standing for three years. Um, and it's just standing and rotting. I'm sure if you offer him something, you'll sell it. And... I said, okay, this is cool. And of course, my dad tried to speak me out of firstly owning an Alpha um, because he's gone through it. And then secondly, of owning an old car because obviously you don't want your child driving an old car that's not safe and whatever. Eventually, I wore him down and uh, we bought this junior from this Wumi that had issues or whatever for like 30 something. Um, this was in 2015, so not even that long ago. Well, that's a bargain compared to today's prices. Yeah, it was 30-something eh? grand, and I got in the car, immediately had no brakes. I obviously didn't tell my dad this, uh, because I didn't want him to say, oh, you're taking this piece of crap back, and whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so immediately had no brakes. I almost drove into the back of my dad. Um, <laughs> I didn't have a license at that stage. At least we lived in Mexico, part of Lufentain. Cry Pakistan. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we spent quite some money on it. I think all in all, we were seventy grand into the car, and including the car, including the car. And this was a well-sorted junior that I daily drove. I daily drove it to school. Bloemfontein gets like minus something in the mornings. Always started first, first turn. Mm, never no, knew that there's something wrong with it because mm. that that doesn't sound like, <laughs> like an never, <laughs> never even used the choke to start it. Yeah. Hey, I never even used the choke because did you even did you guys know? Like, there's probably going to be some kind of guy that's going to tell me, but the, the the carbs was just not set correctly and your floating needle wasn't. So you were running a rich, that's why you didn't need the. It was just running rich all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, with the Weber carbs, from what I heard, if you use the choke, you basically um, flood them immediately. If you try and start those 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 Weber carbs of the Alpha by by using the choke, you're gonna flood it or you're gonna spoil the plugs or something. But anyways, so I had this Junior. I owned it for I think six months. That I drove it as a daily. Drove it to school. Drove it back, etc. And the big issue was. This bastard never got me the papers for the car. 
because he always said the car's in his son's name and his son is in America, but when he's back, and with my nagging, obviously my dad left me and he thought, you know, this is kind of like someone we semi-know or so, so he won't, you know, screw us. And then I remember it felt like it was like one morning I woke up and my dad just said, listen here, get our money back, we're taking this car back. Which is fair because, I mean, I was driving a car that was last registered in 2013 or the, no longer back. But And uh, the funny part about it actually was one of the teachers at my school used to own the vehicle. So okay. I literally bought, brought his old Alpha back to him. They were like three brothers that all had... had, had uh, Did you get A's Supernovas? in all his classes, basically? Did you get A's in all the classes for like, you know... Because the alpha guys, you know, you guys stick together, you know. Yes, they okay. do. <laughs> Unfortunately not, but I think that was more me being an issue than... <laughs> oh, but but it was the sour grapes. You it, stole my car, you little... <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. It, was, it was English. It was, he was an English uh, uh, professor or Well, or that explains a lot. And uh, <laughs> I think... Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think with my accent, I also, I could just go that far. You know, he helped me out so much. <laughs> I think it was one of the classes that I got the best points in. Uh, but he could only help my poor uh, African soul that much. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so the one morning we had to woke up and my dad was like, no, dude, this car needs to go back. Back, This guy's never going to give you the papers, etc. And gave the car back. And with the, we basically told him, listen here, what we have into the car, give us back. Uh, there wasn't really that much arguing from what I could remember, and he gave us the car back. Uh, so gave us, he you, gave us did all he pay the, you back for yeah, the, the money paid, you, in, you put in as well? Yeah, basically. so he paid okay. me back for all the all the money we spent on the vehicle and the purchase price. So Bro, you're basically a car flipper. It's a business opportunity. There, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then with that money, I literally took that cash like that, bought my black spider. But anyways, I miss that car so badly. Uh, it's 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 like a piece of my soul got tore out of me. Your your one that got away was was the BMW, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean that was the the, the one. But I mean, I I think my we never had you know we always had like mid mid range vehicles. Um, so you know, and, and our family, my dad always took took care of every vehicle we owned. So I would I would. I wouldn't mind actually buying any of the cars from from him ever, but the one I think that that now stands out to me a little bit is is um, um, that that we kind of like lost somewhere. It's my my late father-in-law um, bought one of the first double cab Toyota Hilux Buckies, and he had one. And I, I mean, I can't remember the. I mean, I didn't do what I normally do. I didn't go check it out on Wikipedia beforehand, so I can't tell you. <laughs> I, I didn't can't, do his research. I didn't do my research beforehand, and and Andre wouldn't be here now to 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 uh, to diss me for that. Um, but, but have you at least checked out when the first and second world wars were? Because I've that's... at least <laughs> th th thanks to my wonderful friends and then you guys, I, I at least you know I'd never forget that again. Um, but there's a the, he had one. It was like a baby blue color, um, and which he used in. I remember on, that color. Yeah, it was it was really um, yeah those boxy shaped. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and it suited the car really well. And um, you know when when he sold or, or because of circumstances had to sell um they they had a farm on in in clan william um we had to move him down to cape town because of he's getting on an, an age and um he drove actually then moved to Grabo, uh to be closer to to us um and uh, one day drove it down to somerset mall yeah 
And when he came out, the car was stolen. Bucky was stolen. Oh, no. So, that's usually how a Hilux ownership goes. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, my uncles had two Hiluxes stolen from him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, uh, funnily enough, I mean, we've we've been thinking to see if we can find the VIN number of that again. But um, I mean, I, I'm I I'm, for me, cars. Are, I've got a massive emotional connection mm, to cars. Yeah. Like any any, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be something special. I mean, my first car was a was a I inherited from my grandmother, and and I've I for instance I sold that. Um, before she passed away, but I'm the type of guy that mm. if I if if she had passed away and I still had it, I would probably never sell it. I would yeah, probably keep, keep it. it. So there's there's so many of those sort of stories and cars that I can think of in in in, in from from the past that I, I would just try and hold on for it as long as as long as possible. But the Bucky, I mean, that that one like me and me and my wife, we always you know said now, geez, you know, imagine if we could re- have that redone, repainted mm. because it had like half a million kilometers on yeah he used it every single single day and and that's like you know part of what when i when i got to meet, meet him and kind of like like a remembrance from the family would have mm-hmm. been something nice to to, to, to keep yeah. um, and to have what is bad about the hiluxes is what they do is they steal the hilux they take the body off and they just chuck the body away and mm. they put the frame they use the frame the for taxis. the taxis because mm. it's yeah. it's built on the same frame yeah. so the sad part about that story is you're never going to find it again. it's you probably never, still running though but as a taxi, <laughs> as a taxi somewhere, <laughs> still running. But maybe still you know, maybe running, I'll, yeah. I'll 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 buy the taxi with the sub, and I'll give Quentin the sub from the taxi. Then yeah, you can put exactly. in his next X two thousand back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At yeah. least, at least, well, shit, he's got another canoe. He can put the sub in. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to there's say no, at least no, the jagger. There's no has... space in the in the canoe for subs. Well, you'll find a way to mount no, it somewhere. No, no, no. If, you know, I've, if I if if I've learned anything from your wife exactly. today, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to add something on on what you mentioned about when that TVR. You mentioned it was wrapped right in yeah. matte black. Yes, is that the most that because that was a fad at one stage, right? Everyone oh, yeah. matte wrapped everything, and is that the thing that looks? Because for, to my eye, I, I used to like you know like it a little bit, and I like a bit of a satin black look. But is that the nah. most overplayed? Thing, one of the I, most overplayed things I, in the I car think it community got, now. It got overplayed so much that it's now become disgusting. It is, yes. And it's just, it's hideous. And there's actually, there's a guy in who comes to the, the Hellenic club opposite our showroom um, on a regular basis. He's got a, a BMW i8 that's wrapped matte black, but with like fluorescent bright purple accent lines on all the shut lines and Mm -hmm. around the wheels and stuff kind of making it look like a car from Tron or something but it is just the most vulgar display of poor taste I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. It has is he, hideous. Has he sold you, you know, one of these um, finance trading bots, maybe, you know? No, no, or no, told no. you how to trade Forex? Forex, no, yeah, Forex no, no, tra- trading no, no, bots, no, basically. No, 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 no. I'm not interested in any of that. <laughs> no, 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 thank you. No, thank you. But I have to say, I'd rather take a matte car than a chrome car. Because yep, that there's a couple was of those also, as well. Uh, that was yeah. also a big thing back in the but day. But I must say, you know, going off topic a little bit, um, we had a guy come in one day with a Ferrari Roma, and it was this beautiful dark blue metallic color. And I looked at this car and I thought, you know, I've never liked the Roma in red, in Rosso Corsa. Uh-huh. I, I just don't think it looks right on that Ferrari. 
Um, and it looks good in darker colors, like a dark blue or a dark gray mm. or black or something like that. It looks, it actually looks beautiful. It's a really, really pretty car. And I was walking around this thing thinking to myself, this is a gorgeous color on this car. And I genuinely thought that was the color of the car. But it was actually a liquid wrap on that car. Oh. And when the guy showed me, I couldn't believe it because it looks like paint. It looks like paint. It feels mm. like paint. It has that high quality shine that you can only really get from paint. From paint, yeah. But it's mm. wrapped. The car was actually Rosso Corsa underneath. Wasn't that other Merc that you guys had also something? The like AMG GT. Yeah, didn't that also uh, have yes, some it was. Kind of and I, um, I wouldn't the, have said it. I, the, I would have told you the that matte paint. silver on that car was actually the paint. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, the matte yeah. silver but, but that all the, car the like was, blued, uh, all the all the little blue bits, the brake calipers, and all of that was liquid wrap. And if you asked me, I would have told you that's how the car came from Merck. It was just a cool spec. It, it looked it looked brilliant. It looked. Yeah. You have to. I mean, you have to. So some of these wraps are getting really, really good. Yeah, and as long as you maintain it as well, right? I mean, yeah. there's certain ways that you need to. But they say that you should do or should or should not do with it. But I mean, and and also, I think when it's done properly. Because there's nothing more I hate in this than when, when you open the door and, and the, the door cards door are yeah. a completely different color. That's annoying. That's like, you know, it's like, uh, okay. Yeah. Do, do, if you're going you to go do it, then do it properly. Yeah. That it's kind of like a complete color yeah. color conversion. It needs to look factory. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the thing. Something else I saw at the archive the one day, and I have to say, admit, it looked quite cool, was I can't remember if it was a Ferrari... Or, or 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 what it was, but I, I've got a I've got a Couldn't feeling. Couldn't have it was, been that cool if you can't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was more I was more obsessed about the color, but it, um, they basically got the uh, PPF, mm-hmm. but uh, satin PPF. Oh and yeah. They just put the satin PPF mm-hmm. on the car. And, it that didn't make it cost. that. It didn't there's, make it that the, vulgar satin matte. Oh, yeah, sorry, yes. that that vulgar a lot of the matte. new yes. a lot of the new um, discoveries are being satin wrapped by um, Hillstar panel beaters. They've mm-hmm. got a guy there who who just satin wraps discoveries all the time, um, and it looks brilliant once it's done. It actually yeah. makes that car look fantastic. Um, it works on that, but yeah. It's not necessarily something I would do. No, but um, but but what I mean is, instead of getting these vulgar wraps like like you would, you've got such a a lot of our factory a lot of factory cars has such nice paint. Yeah. But so here's yeah. here's another funny tangent to go off on. We recently sold um, a very nice Ferrari to a customer, and the car was completely wrapped with PPF, but it was what I like to call old technology PPF. Mm. So it started yellowing. It goes yellow and it doesn't it doesn't shine like paint shines. Mm. Mm. And that's my biggest gripe with PPF. I like detailing my cars and polishing them and mm. making them shine, get that glass finish on it and everything. And you can't do that with PPF. Uh, in fact, you can't polish PPF at all uh, because you'll leave swirl marks on it. Um, but... He took that car to a detail shop in Cape Town that I'd never heard of before. But these guys just did an absolutely next level job on this car. I mean, it it, it cost him a pretty penny. But at the same time, if you think about it, it was a 1% investment in the value of the car. Um, 
and they removed the old film. They did a full paint corrective polish, three-stage polish on the car. Um, they did a ceramic coat on it, and they put their new self-healing, ultra-clear, super, super shiny PPF on the front and, and the sort of high-impact zones on the car. And you, first of all, you can't see that they're covered anymore. You can't see the film is on the car. Um, it shines exactly like the painted parts of the car. And you know that feeling you get on a freshly polished car where you uh, can... It feels so really smooth. smooth. It's, it's literally it's like glass. Yeah. It is so, so, so beautiful what they've done to that car. It is unreal. That's crazy. Mm. I did, that's something that grinds my gears is when people do the PPF but they literally stop the PPF line in the middle of the bonnet and you see the but you line. Know, a yeah. lot of the times it's because they oh, get no, these cheap PPF products from, from China and the film just isn't wide enough to cover the bonnet on an yeah. F12 or a, or a 599 or something that's quite a wide car. So you end up with these join lines in the middle of it and those join lines get dirt in them that you can't get out and you have these black lines going up and down the bonnet and stuff like that. That's uh, stupid. Plus, there's a, a PPF has got a specific age, right? And the irony is, is yeah. you, you buy it, you put it on to protect the paint. But if you leave it on too long, for instance, for like, what is it, three, four years? You take the paint off with you it. You take the paint off with it. And yeah, anyways, so. you're not PPF in a Corolla. If you PPF in something, it's because you really care about the paint and it's an mm. expensive car. So why, you dingus, would you buy cheap PPF? Hmm. Well, exactly. I think I think you that's, can. That's like I said. You know, this guy went, and when I heard what he paid for this detailing, I thought, "Geez, that's a lot of money to yeah. spend on a paint protection, uh, you know, package and and a, and a full detail on a car." But then, like he said, it, it's a one percent investment in the value of the car. Yeah. And on a car like that, it absolutely makes sense to do that because it's it's one percent of the value of the car. And it's protected for the next 10 years. Yeah. And it looks incredible. It genuinely looks insane. It looks better than what it did when it came out the factory. You know it what? It's beautiful. You know what the one thing is? I mean, I, I also thoroughly enjoy I've, I've done a bit of ceramic coating on some parts of my cars before, like mainly like the headlights I bought it. And really enough, it's super easy to apply. The most expensive bit of it, of course, is to buy it. Yeah. In my, in my like, you know, uh, um, you know what, what is it like? A hobby, hobby, hobby detailing opinion but one thing i really would, would would like to get done is dry ice cleaning the undertray and now Ooh. we're like really like but that we get it we get it very technical very yeah technical andre here, would have killed himself yeah, yeah, by now yeah exactly because That's why he, I he doesn't be... even wash his own vehicles as well andre yeah. would be so, in the so, corner with a so let's just let's just quickly recap before we get back to that so andre won't put down a roof because it's one button he won't wash his stunning Alfa Romeo 4C is himself because that's also too much effort. Why? Why would you do that? Uh, anyways, carry on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so I mean, I, I, we're a... not just bashing Andre because he's not here. No, yeah. <laughs> we won't do that. <laughs> we're not. We're not bad friends at all. Um, no, I, I, the, the the before and after results of that, and you can use it on paint and like, um, especially yeah. I think like a lot of guys are, especially if you've got like a. If you have something special or a classic, yeah. um, really it just rejuvenates the underside and also the but, ability to clean and maintain the car. Sorry, we, like I said, we're, we're going off on a complete tangent here. We can do a complete <laughs> podcast on car we care. But yeah. Something that I did um, on, on which car was it that I did it on? One of my 
on uh, on my Z f- no not the Z4 um, it was after my Z4 it was the MX5 that I did it on so one of the things that I'm always sort of uh, cognizant of is the fact that whenever you touch your car whenever you touch the paint whether you're washing it or drying it or whatever whatever you do that's touching the paint is going to leave some kind of mark on it um, and by that measure, I always try to touch the car as little as I possibly have to um, when I'm cleaning it and doing stuff to it. So one of the things that I actually did on my MX-5 was I used a fairly cheap hybrid ceramic wax on it just as a protective layer on it. And it worked brilliantly to make that car shine like a diamond in a goat's ass. But what was really cool about it was it made cleaning that car afterwards so Mm. much easier. Because with that ceramic coating on it, dust doesn't stick to it. Mm. If it gets dusty, you just take it for a drive and the dust blows off it. If you get stuff splashing up onto it or or splattering onto it, you just hose it off and it's hydrophobic. So everything just runs off it and you don't even have to dry it. It just, it looks brilliant. So, yeah, if if you're into car care and that kind of thing, I I would say ceramic coating or at the very least some kind of cheap some kind of hybrid ceramic wax it, mm. the hybrid ceramic wax honestly it lasts it lasted me about three to six months on that mm. car whereas a proper ceramic coating will cost you a lot more but it'll last you like nine years i i, I i'm on the ceramic coating like i, I had our bmw ceramic coated um and um Maybe it's the the the, the mitt or whatever i wash but i i think it doesn't doesn't last I don't think it lasts nine years. I think like it also depends on where the conditions you park how, outside and how a lot many of, times I, you wash it. Yeah, I, I would say th- like these you, guys that I mentioned earlier that, that this Ferrari went to for detailing. I don't want to mention them by name now because I I genuinely we've spoken and I want them to be a guest on the mm-hmm. podcast at some stage or another. But they have a coating that they import uh, themselves from Switzerland, and that coating is guaranteed. It will last nine years mm. minimum. That's crazy. Um, and it is is genuinely it is hard as nails Mm. and when you apply that stuff to the car it it looks like glass it Mm. is i keep saying the glass finish but it looks like someone's added a layer of liquid glass Mm. over the car that's how shiny it is Mm. and it gets that depth to it as well Mm. i remember your mx5 it was very clean it was very clean but the the only issue was it was so clean that the brakes didn't work yeah the brakes didn't work (laughs) it pissed oil (laughs) It was rusted. It's crap. <laughs> I hated that car. That, that, was, that was polishing a turd, mate. <laughs> no, I, I genuinely hated that car. Uh, you didn't have it long. Uh, no. no, I hated it. <laughs> the MX-5, it's good for a lot of things, but no, I hated that one. And it wasn't a button to take off the roof. You had to manually take off the no, roof. No, mine was a button. Oh. Yeah, Do they not have a clip? Okay, but no. you have two clips, right? The MX-5s have, have a clip in the front. Not my you? one. Because oh, mine, mine was clips. a later NC that had the hard top, the folding hard top. I just want to and say because uh, that would have been even rough, what, more, was, even rougher for Andre to do, you know. But was there an NC with the folding hard top? Yes. His? The, no. Not. Or yeah, is oh, it the, the folding hard top. Folding yes. hard top, yeah. An NC with the folding hard top? Yes. I've never, really enough, I've never seen that. I know that you use the hard top that you can put on, like after. No, no. 
but Man, it made Man it as heavy as a, okay. it made it almost as heavy as one three, of the uh, GTR's wheels. He's so. like, and then like they talk about like weight and stuff. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quentin, like with the, you, you've lost some cred today, mate. I'm just I'm just completely losing all of my petrol head cred here. I, I've admitted to wanting a Tesla. I'm driving heavy S2000s with tiny little 10 inch subs that apparently are a big deal uh and now i'm now i'm driving nc mx5s that weigh as much as belgium so uh yeah i mean next week we're going to be discussing hair dryers and and facial care products i guess because uh yeah that's that's all i'm good for these days i'm sorry Andre, come back. These guys are nasty to me. Um, So, yeah, uh, I think that's that's pretty much a wrap for today, guys. Um, Thanks for coming. It's been been a pleasure, mostly. Um, (laughs) And we we will hopefully see you all back here next week. See you again, and we can't miss this, even though Andre is not here. Don't say it. Oh, man. Oh, Oh, man. Stay, stay classy. Stay classy. You know, know you love NC, it. You know you love it. I love it. This is a folding heart. This is a retrofit Janesh set omgefit or so. I could... You should put any sign in your studio. My fuck that is a... You see this now? Like, I did. I honestly didn't know there was NCs with... <laughs> NC's with um, NC hard top and my folding hard top.